Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Around the Corner. I'm Matt Schlichten, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, we've got a little something different cooked up for everyone this time. Instead of our usual episode, we got so many excellent questions that we have planned on going ahead and doing a mailbag episode. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's exciting and I think I just want to get into this with uh, a pretty excellent question from Winston Talks Sports at Sports Winston on Twitter. Is Nolan Jones a real person that actually exists, or is he just a collective simulation we've all tricked ourselves into believing is real? Also, who's the next next great middle infield prospect to look forward to? How did so I, I know that that was going to be the first question you asked? <laughs> it's a good one to open with. It's fun. Um, I can confirm that Nolan Jones is a very real person that I made eye contact with at a game yeah. once and felt weird. And I, I did interview him. Uh, it would be a very good simulation. Uh, for him to uh, answer my questions as well as he did. I also heard from someone on Twitter that they were like standing in line behind him for ice cream the other week. Just <laughs> yeah. it, it, it clicked all of a sudden like, oh shit, this is Nolan Jones. I'm terrified. <laughs> it's something like that. I don't want to put words into their mouth. but That, that kind of reminds me of a time I was at Tribe Fest and I was just randomly walking by this section where there were uh, just a whole bunch of and there'll be the show video games set up. And, and it was just Francisco Mejia was just playing. <laughs> just chilling. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to play some. That was like right at the time he was our top prospect, too. <laughs> and when I say it was weird making eye contact with Nolan Jones, it was just sort of that moment of realizing, like, this is actually the first time I have gotten to see this guy play. And I have been talking about him for, what, three, four years now? Mm-hmm. Just following prospects from afar is an odd business (laughs) it is but uh i can confirm nolan jones is real he is very good (laughs) and he is going to be called up pretty soon at this rate uh (laughs) because he's been playing very well oh yeah Uh, he seems to be sticking with the patience his power stroke is powerful it's, it looks like it's going to be time soon. So he will be very real in Cleveland before I, long. I know we're we're not doing like a huge update on the top prospects, but this is kind of interesting. Hasn't hit super well in the last week, but all three of his hits were home runs. Well, there you go. And he walked five times. So he is showing power, uh, which is great. I'm totally cool with like a two true outcomes player, just dingers and walks. He also has been stealing bases this year. Yes. Which is surprising. Like, he went from, like, let me check. Yeah. A max of 
five in an entire, I guess in 2019, he stole seven, but he's already stolen six this year. Yeah, it's a really nice pace for a, a larger corner player. Yeah, I mean that's that's on pace for over double digits. You don't you don't expect that? Like his game speed, it says is thirty out of yeah. thirty out of eighty <laughs> on this on the scale. And so. That's a that's a number that says, uh, wait, he stole three bases that year. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's definitely uh, uh, good tightening. Yeah, like I got a now, fantasy league that track the you know stolen bases is one of the categories and i had salvador perez and he stole the base i was like what <laughs> hello bonus so the second part of the question who's the next next great middle infield prospect to look forward to i have a guy in mind but i'm curious to hear who you have okay for this do we want to consider it like somebody that's already at full season or do you want me to go way back to the short season or even draft picks? Oh, I've got a guy from rookie ball. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I was thinking, like, if you're going full season, somebody that's still even under the radar, I'd say Angel Martinez, because uh, he's 19 years old and just torching high, uh, low A. Uh, but if you want to go full season, I'm going to go all the way down to the Dominican Summer League. So give me a second. You you do yours. I want to make sure I don't screw up this guy's name. Absolutely. So I I am tabbing Junior San Quentin. Ooh, okay. He's a top 30 guy. He's in rookie ball. Uh, really interesting player. Signed out of the 2018 international crop for a million and a quarter. And keep in mind, he signed and got to play in 2019. Was just in rookie ball pandemic happens now he's back in the acl this year uh still kind of trying to find his footing he hasn't really had an opportunity to break out yet but he is a player that the indians guardians whomever were very excited about uh it's not certain if he's going to play shortstop or second base yet but he's a switch hitter hello something that the team loves he's a little bit stronger than your average middle infielder prospect. And I know that there's some thought that because his arm is so good, there's an opportunity for him to either slide over to third or play right field. So this is another guy in the Indian system who's a middle infielder by trade. He switch hits and he has positional flexibility. Like it, it, And he's an international guy who signed for a decent amount. So I'm excited to see how he continues to develop. I could be totally wrong, but he has too cool a name. To not do well, in my opinion. For me, it's it's one of two. Uh, we've got Angel Ganau. Uh, he was one of our top international signings. Um, and he is debuting in the Dominican Summer League right now. Um, really, really interesting uh, kid. He, uh, he is playing... Let me double check to make sure the positions. Uh, for the most part, he's been playing shortstop. He's played two games at second base. Uh, but... He had a tremendous debut, uh, like went three for five with two doubles and a walk in his first game. And then just the other day, he went four for four and hit his first home run. Actually, yeah, that was yesterday. So uh, this kid, I think, is going to be special. So Angel Ginau. Uh The other one is uh, Fran Aldui. He also, him, Ganau and Aldui were like, you know, when they announced like the international guys and they'll say, you know, Cleveland signs two of the top 30 international prospects. Well, 
Aldui and Ganao were both of the top international prospects. So uh, Ganao is on uh, the D- DSL split into a red squad and a blue squad. Uh, Ganao is on the blue squad and Aldui is on the red squad. So, uh, and let me double check his fielding stats to make sure what positions he's playing. He also has primarily played shortstop with one game at third base. Uh, and in terms of performance, uh, I think he opened his career with uh, two runs batted in, went one for three with a walk and a stolen base. Uh, and he's just been pretty consistent. Just a lot of multi-hit games, good uh, on-base percentage. So just another one to keep an eye on. So basically, and I think him and Ganao are both 17 years old. So, <laughs> and they, uh, Ganao just turned 17 in May. Like he is young. <laughs> like he, you remember when the first player got put in the system that was like 2000 and it just made you feel crazy old with that. They were born in 2000. Well, these guys are 2004 when I graduated high school. So stop. <laughs> no, <laughs> not allowed. Yeah, not not quite after I graduated high school yet. Not barely, just barely. Uh, they they had been born when I got my diploma, but they are they are one generation away from not even having been alive when I walked off the stage. So <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good rundown here. Yes, for our first question of the night from Winston. Yeah. So you get enough- c- complex answers to your questions here. Yes. Uh, another one that I really, really enjoyed, and I called this out on Twitter when it came across, is from Matt Dallas. Uh, Jason Dominguez and George Valera seem to have really comparable profiles. How much profiles? How much of the national Dominguez hype and lack thereof for Valera is due to Dominguez being a Yankee prospect? If they switched systems, would the hype level switch too? And I think you said you had a good comparison for this, and I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Oh, but yeah. uh, Go ahead. If you and other fans of the team recall, in 2016, we performed the trade with the New York Baseball Yankees, in which we sent one Clint Frazier and a number of other players to the Yankees in exchange for Andrew Miller. Since that time, Clint Frazier and Bradley Zimmer, the other top outfielder from the time, still in prospect status, um, they have had very different paths, but I would say Clint Frazier is known nationally for being a head case who can't field and kind of dive bombed out of the game, which is totally unfair and not true, but that's what happens when you make an error in Yankee Field, Yankee Stadium. That's what happens when you make an error in right field in Yankee Stadium. Um, And meanwhile, Bradley Zimmer has been hurt. He's struggled, been on and off the field. Um, Cleveland fans are still sort of divided on him, but I've never heard anything on ESPN or from national news outlets about why is Bradley Zimmer only hitting 220? So I think definitely the Yankees system just creates, I don't want to say absurd expectations, but it would absolutely be different if Valera was in the pinstripe industrial complex. Uh, Yeah, just imagine how they'd react to his first bat flip. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if he did it like, you know, in Yankee stadium. Uh, Cause I mean, this kid is nobody better ever tell this kid not to bat flip. Like he, 
I am so ecstatic that he still does it like after every time he crushes the ball. Um, but yeah, uh, and I would say they're both very similar in prospect profile. I think the thing that people are hyping up about Dominguez is how young he is. Because I think Valera's 20 and he's performing well at high A. And Dominguez is now in full season ball at 18 years old. So uh, he didn't start the season there. He actually did start the season in rookie ball. Uh, and he has since been promoted. Uh, but uh, and, he, and he's playing well. Um, but so, I mean, Dominguez is worthy of the hype. Like he looks legit and he's he's playing uh, well. So I, I understand it. But uh, yes, I totally agree with you in terms of the media attention. Uh, and I wouldn't even say that the media like crazy hypes up prospects in New York. It's more once you arrive, like you are under a microscope. So just the anything that happens becomes a controversy. Like look what happened to Lindor when he went to, to the Mets. Like, like just anything he says or anything that's happening behind the scenes, they are just picking away at him. I think the other thing to note is that Dominguez grabbed a lot of headlines when he signed because it was $5.1 million or whatever it was. So that that's sort of like a flare going off telling everybody, oh, this kid could be something, which certainly he looks like he's the real deal. No, no shade being thrown here. It's just that, boy, are there a lot of expectations on that kid. Yeah, because Valera's bonus, I think, was $1.3 million, which wasn't even the highest one we gave out that year. I think we gave out a higher one to Bracco. So. But certainly if he were in pinstripes or destined to be. Oh, yeah. They, they would be talking about him right now for sure, but they would definitely be talking about him as he got close. Uh, do you have the questions up, Brian? I want to let you pick the next one. All right. Or two. Ooh, fancy. Um, okay. I like this one from Quincy Wheeler. Rank these three players in order of highest likelihood to be in the 2022 Guardians opening day lineup. Gabriel Arias, Nolan Jones, Tyler Freeman. Now, do you want to start or do you want me to take a shot at it? I have a pretty strong feeling about how this is going to go, so I will let you go first. Okay, this might come as a surprise, uh, but out of these three, I would say number one most likely, Arias. then Jones, then Freeman. Uh, the main reason is uh, Arias is playing amazing at AAA. Uh, he's young for that level. Um, I think they might just give him a shot straight up to start out the year next year. Um, whereas with Jones, he's going to have to earn it for some, if unless either Jose's hurt or he actually plays well enough in the outfield to get that spot since we also have Fran meal taking up the clogging up the DH. So I just feel like in terms of pathway, Arias has the easiest pathway there because we are not going to have Cesar. We may not have Cesar after the trade deadline. Um, Arias might get called up soon, uh, but uh, at least there is the, the the path of least resistance is through Arias, whether it's starting at second base or shortstop or uh, being the utility man next year. I think that's a good call. Uh, he is I mean, he's hitting 276, 356, 788 in the minors this year at AAA. And I think he's 21. Yeah, so he, he seems ready. My worry is that none of them will, <laughs> right? Um, so I would say that he is the most likely 
to be in the opening day lineup. But I, I like barring a trade that suddenly opens things up for Nolan Jones, maybe I'd say there's a 50% chance that one of these guys is in the opening day lineup. I just feel like they're not that aggressive with young guys before whatever that early service time deadline is, which I hate, but it's just the Indians have shown time and time again that that's, that's how they handle player service time. So, And I would say of, but I will say of the three players listed, uh, the one player that could force the issue, like say they go out in the spring and just torch everyone and that's all anybody's talking about, I'd say that one player would be Tyler Freeman. Uh, but again, I still think that they will at least wait until that Super 2 deadline or whatever passes in June before giving Freeman a shot next year, especially with uh, these little shoulder issues he's been having uh, in the past month or two. They really need to fix that rule because there's few things more exciting than hearing that a rookie is going to be starting on opening day. Mm-hmm. I miss that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I think that that is going to be a very big thing that happens with the collective bargaining because it has been brought up by a lot of the star players, how annoying it is that they are, you know, getting service time manipulated and stuff. So that is absolutely something I think they're going to address during collective bargaining. And I hope they do. I feel like ever since it happened with Chris Bryant, it like the clock has just been ticking. What do we have next? Okay. Um, I like this one. Uh, Hurricane is who's the next one coming up from AAA? Your best guess. I really feel like we've called up like pretty much every pitcher that we're going to be calling up. <laughs> so unless you're cheating and saying like they're going to give a veteran like, you know, Zach Godley or Brad Peacock, I would say... Um, the most likely one getting called up would be a reliever. Um, and I think the most likely one is going to be Cam Hill. Completed his rehab. He is in Columbus right now. They activated him. They put, I think, like Bieber on the 60-day IL to make room for him on the 40-man roster. They did not want to lose him. Uh, and if he is performing well in Columbus, they're going to give him a shot in Cleveland. He's still young. I think he even still has his rookie status. So that would be the one I would say most likely is getting called up. So my question becomes, are we allowed to pick players that have previously reached the major leagues in any capacity? Cam Hill was in the major leagues in 2019. Fair. So I, I, think, think, I think last year, I meant. So. I think we're going to see Andres Jimenez shortly. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially if uh, Hernandez is traded. So there will be an opening in the middle infield that needs uh, filled. And he is playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his bat his bat seems like it's coming around. And the willingness to play second base feels like something's cooking. We will see. Things could change here by the time this podcast <laughs> goes live, which would be hilarious. But... Uh, maybe we will get some pretty quick instant feedback on how good our predictions are. And who knows? Maybe uh, Oscar Gonzalez forces the issue. He's still hitting well at AAA. Uh, not hitting quite as good as he did at AA, but at AAA he was batting 330. 
uh, at double A. He's betting 286, and he's been tapping into the power a little bit recently. He had another home run the other day. Really excited to see uh, how he performs because the last time he got promoted, he did not play well. Like he was lighting up in 2019, he was lighting up high A back when that was Lynchburg. And he got called up to double A, and for the entire rest of the season at double A, he was terrible. Uh, so this year he starts at double A and he is the best player in the whole system and he gets promoted and he's playing pretty well. So I'm, I'm really encouraged to see how he's been performing. From Jamie Renner, biggest risers, biggest fallers in terms of prospects. Okay. There's a lot of risers. <laughs> uh, in terms of guys like entering the top 10, I'd say the most likely ones would be like Angel Martinez I mean, this kid looks super legit. Like, he is holding his own as one of the top teenage prospects in the game. So, uh, absolutely, Angel Martinez. But in terms of guys that maybe weren't even ranked, that are just playing out of their minds, uh, you have to start giving love to Oscar Gonzalez, to Will Benson, uh, who was a top prospect, lost his, you know, luster, and then has recaptured it and then uh some pitchers that were not getting any love whatsoever and have been just incredible this year so you have to say like Savion Curry yeah he's been Mm -hmm. excellent this season and then somebody that was injured to start the year but has just been incredible uh Cody Morris and uh Francisco Perez who has been spectacular both at uh Akron and Columbus The one guy I would throw in there who has risen up my list quite a bit is John Kensey Noel. Okay, yes. He is hitting a a slick 370, 396, 700 at Lynchburg in 100 at-bats so far. Yeah, the only thing holding him back has been a couple stints on the injured list. And he doesn't really walk, but his exit velocity has apparently been clocked at 118 miles per hour. And that would put him tied for the fourth hardest hit home run this season in Major League Baseball with gentlemen like Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Pete Alonso, etc. That's big boy power. And the fact that he is hitting as well as he is right now is just terrifying. Yes. Like, I don't know that this is anywhere near sustainable, but I don't think regular guys go on tears like this ever. Mm -hmm. Like this is 25, 24 games of making Ted Williams look like a jerk, basically. (laughs) And I will say MLB Pipeline, I was checking there to see like who maybe was a faller, like somebody that was on that list that has not been performing. Uh, And I want to give a shout out. uh, Savion Curry has been added to the MLB Pipeline's top 30. Now, they go. haven't restructured it. Uh, they always restructure it after the trade deadline, and I'll do a big article about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll be talking about the who's been great, who's you know disappointed this year. Like, why did people go up on their rankings? Why did people drop? Um, but at, before they restructure, they, they add players that are going to be in the top 30 when they re- reorder it. Because they're not going to, like... Like, say somebody graduates, they they just slot somebody in at 30. They're not going to put some new guy in at, like, 15. Right, right. So, yeah. right now, the people they've been adding are Richard Palacios at 28, 
uh, John Kenzie Noel at 29 and Xavion Curry at 30 for the people that have graduated this year. Yep. So, uh, so I'll say Palacios as well as somebody that, you know, looked like he was on track to be a superstar, potentially a fast riser in the system, then had that shoulder injury and has been, had been out for two years. He looks sensational this year as well. So he's another riser. Mm -hmm. Um, now fallers, um, I would say, uh, I'm going to factor injuries here as well. So you got to say Ethan Hankins just because yeah. Tommy John, you just, there's so much uncertainty with that. Um, and even when he comes back next year, uh, he's still probably going to have, uh, they're going to be very careful with him. So um, it may be another year after that before we really see what he can do again. So I, I'm, I have to say Ethan Hankins. Um, I have to say Carlos Vargas just because, you know, he's on the 40 man roster and then gets thrown out over hundred miles an hour and then boom, Tommy John. So those two immediately are on the fallers. Uh, Joey Cantillo hasn't pitched the whole season with uh, an abdominal issue. Yes. Uh, that's and super frustrating. This answers another question that was submitted. Um, I apologize for interrupting. Yes. You, yes. I, I remember I'm, seeing that though. So. Garrett Helper asked about Joey Cantillo. So that, that answers our question for Garrett. Yep. He has been. Uh, he experienced some abdominal discomfort in uh, the preseason. So, like, I was expecting he'd be out for a week. And then he was didn't pitch for two weeks. Then he didn't pitch for three weeks. Then they placed him on the injured list. And he still, I haven't even heard of him doing a rehab outing. <laughs> This is so the like Tristan McKenzie just, method. Yeah, you remember the Tristan McKenzie <laughs> watch that we had back in 2019? Uh, it's it's basically the Cantillo, Cantillo watch at this point. So, uh, so injuries are the main cause for stock to drop, not performance. Uh, I'd say another one would be Scott Moss, like has barely pitched this entire season. So go ahead if you've got a performance-related one. I, I think I might have one. I have one, and his name is Aaron Bracco. Okay. I think we probably lose him from the top 10 for the system this year, unless he really turns around the season he's been having in Lake County. Yes. I'm not worried about him as a prospect long-term, but just looking at the numbers. Yeah, they're just not as good in. as some of his contemporaries on that captain's roster. If Valera's been good, Rocchio is actually leading the team at home runs. Lavastida looks like a, a monster as a catcher. So yeah, I totally, Tana has been good. Um, so yeah, I totally understand that Bracco has not been up to that same level, especially when he's on a team with similarly ranked prospects. Right. And, and what totally jumps out fair. to me is his strikeout rate is much higher this year. So just something to keep an eye on with him. And then another one for me. Um, and uh, I would have to say Josh Wolf. Um, he's been, at times, great. And and recently, he's been good. I will say this. He has picked it up in the past two weeks. I think his last three outings, he's been pretty good. But he has been very inconsistent this year. And, and you could possibly throw in Lenny Torres there as well. Uh, just he's still trying to find it on, in his return from Tommy John. So that might be a little unfair. I mean, this is literally his first time pitching since he had Tommy John surgery back in 2019, I think hadn't pitched in over two years. So possibly we had unfair expectations as he's trying to figure it out, but he's another one that has you know not been amazing this year. So I would not be surprised to see uh, 
both Wolf and Torres's uh, prospect rankings drop when uh, they reshuffle them here soon. It's interesting. A lot of pitchers on that list. <laughs> Maybe that's why they drafted uh, 20 pitchers or 19 pitchers. It could be, yes. Uh, who do we want for our next question? I think there's at least a couple more I want to get to. And if we don't answer your question uh, directly, most likely it's because it has been answered uh, in, in the process of many of the other ones that we've gone through. So Cleveland Jack 22, what prospects should we expect to see this season at some point? Haha, have we given you a nice list? All right, I've got one here. Uh, Matt Dallas says, asks, is Will Benson's resurgence reason for optimism that he finally is tapping into the tools and regaining his prospect status? I can answer this one. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, now, <laughs> I would say uh, he's not a five-tool guy. He's a four-tool. Uh, the defense <laughs> is there. The speed's there. The power's there. The patience is there. You know, the arm's there. Um, but he is still inconsistent with the contact. Um, I think strikeouts are going to always play as a part of his game. But if, but the fact that this year was the first time he ever played double a, and he is sporting the highest walk rate of his entire career and his strikeout rate didn't spike. I'm ecstatic about that. That's a hugely good sign. I, I definitely like, especially in a young player, we've got a guy who is all the talent in the world. And we have seen a spike in patience, the ability to draw blocks. Basically, we're talking about seeing pitches better and making better decisions about how not to swing. That's going to lead to making very good decisions about when to swing, right? So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him next season and, and see. Yeah, how I mean, he is at double A with on the season a 138 WRC plus and an, a 389 on base percentage. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and and he's that sporting plays. a career high eighteen point five percent walk rate, and he is just almost at a career low twenty nine point four percent strikeout rate. So, yes, he has regained that prospect status. If they do not protect him in the upcoming Rule Five draft, somebody is going to take a shot on Will Benson. Absolutely. So please protect him. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to protect because that's the thing. People keep talking about the roster crunch in terms of uh, the guys that are becoming Rule Five eligible for the first time, like Valera and Bracco and Rocchio and all these guys. Freeman. Uh, we're also going to have guys that maybe they didn't protect in the past that they're going to have to protect now that they're playing well at like Double A AA and Triple A because teams are going to take them, and that's Benson Gonzalez. So. Since we're on the Rule 5 draft now, uh, should we grab Michael Mahoney's question? Yeah, go ahead. Which prospects are untouchable for you, like guys we absolutely need to protect? And then are there any prospects you would prefer to see traded rather than left unprotected? Or or used for, like, maybe someone that maybe this guy's worth protecting, but given the other options available, maybe it makes sense to move him. All right. Uh, in terms of prospects that are untouchable to me, uh, I go hit tool like, and Tyler Freeman has the best hit tool in the entire system. Um, so he's untouchable for me. I, I would add Brian Rocchio there as well. I mean, he is having a great season at high a pop, tapping into power. Uh, so 
I'd say Freeman and Rocchio are the two untouchable middle infield prospects right now. And probably Angel Martinez, <laughs> uh, who's at low A. Everybody else in terms of middle infield prospect potentially could be moved unless they can do it at uh, in the outfield. Like those are the three that I am putting my horse on. Uh, and there are some tough choices that are going to have to be made um, because you've got Joey Cantillo, who hasn't pitched this year, but is widely considered about a top 15 prospect in the system uh, pitching wise. Uh, you've got uh, Cody Morris, who we just mentioned is one of my risers. Um, then in terms of that, you've got Gaynor Diaz and Brian Lavastida and Michael Ramirez and Richard Paz, who all four are just lighting the hell up in all of the levels they're playing at right now. So t- tough decisions are going to have to be made uh, in terms of protecting catchers. Uh, and this then infielders, crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then infielders, you've got Brocco, Freeman, uh, Noel, um, Palacios, uh, Rocchio, Tana. Like all those guys, I think probably need to be protected, or they are getting taken. And then outfielders, um, I would say for sure, uh, George Valera. And then you've got to, you know, think. Uh, I would say. Valera is the only outfielder for sure, uh, but somebody might take a shot uh, on Stephen Kwan, so you might have to protect him. He's at double-A right now and not playing terrible. Um, and then you've got some higher-level prospects like Jonathan Rodriguez and Alex Free Plainez, who are at full season but at low-A, that are playing well. So, <laughs> yeah, this is th- that this is... This list I'm sharing with you is why they are talk, keep talking about the roster crunch. <laughs> like they're going to have to do something. They have to do something. It doesn't have to be at the deadline, but they have to do something before November or we're going to lose like 10 of these guys. Yeah. So my, my untouchables and I'm a lunatic when it comes to trades. Um, George Valera. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Ooh. Like, there's certainly guys to protect other than that, but I might think about trading Tyler Freeman now because I know that's nuts because of what we've seen from him, what we believe he might become, but he's one of the few guys in the system who gets national attention, and I feel like in a year when there is not much help to get at the major league level, teams might be a little bit more willing to get help that's close and potentially elite, and they'll be willing to pay for it. So I know that only gives us one slot, and it's a bit of a loss in terms of prospect pedigree, but man, I think we could get some interesting pieces for the team that could contribute immediately next season, right? And for the rest of this season, it's not like the major league teams out of wild card contention, but I just think it's it's a really difficult situation, and they might have to get really creative with moving guys around, and especially looking at catcher. Brian Lavastida is great, but he's behind Bo Naylor in the pecking order, and it's not like catchers are easy guys to move to another position, right? So I don't know. 
Valera is the one guy I look at in here where it's like you're insane if you give this guy up. Yeah, I given think his age and the way he's playing and Freeman's not far behind. I yeah. just considering he has our so depth, many shortstops. Yeah, considering our depth of middle infield prospects. We could be in a situation of just throw as many of them into the wall and see which ones stick, right? Right. <laughs> uh, with outfielders, we aren't don't have quite that same uh, fortune. Uh, like you know, right now the guys that we're bringing up, you know, Johnson, Mercado, Zimmer, you know, they are not exactly lighting the world on fire. So um, Valera is like the one guy that is getting attention as an outfielder. So I'm with you on that. I understand it. So, yeah, um, it, that, that actually does make sense. Like, maybe I'm just being a little too nostalgic since I've been following these guys for so long that I don't want to lose them. But, no, I totally understand uh, where you're coming from with this because in terms of depth, Valera stands out for sure. Yeah. Mm, I hope I get hate mail. That'd be fun. <laughs> you might. Tyler Freeman's mom might not be happy. I was <laughs> just thinking. <laughs> oh, I think um, I, uh, there's a couple. There's two more questions I think that would be fun to hit. Okay, go ahead. Good? Uh, which players, double A or lower, do you foresee getting pre-September time with the G's in 2020? This is from Guardians Forever at Daryl Dawson. And that is this year? Uh, in 2022. Oh, okay. So yeah, double so A or lower. Guys that um, you think next season will come up at some point, but not necessarily for a cup of coffee, and they must not be at triple A. I'd say Cody Morris, 100%. Uh, he is standing out as one of our best pitchers, double A or higher right now. Uh, and he's at double A and looking really good. Like he is, like he went in and they faced uh, the Tigers double A team that has uh, two of the best position player prospects in the game like Dingler and Spencer Torkelson and he just whiffed them on back-to-back at-bats just blew him away so (laughs) that excites me that that he's that he's doing that um he looks great like he has not missed a beat since he came back so absolutely Cody Morris I think is going to be helping this team next year and the one true Logan Allen (laughs) Logan Allen the greater (laughs) <laughs> Logan Allen, number one. Yeah, I, I, I think he has proven himself that, uh, you know, this was this is the year he's made his pro debut, and he's been one of our most consistent, dominant pitchers in the organization, got promoted to double A, and he's proving he belongs there too. So usually when you have a college pitcher that is playing that well, uh, they get fast-tracked, and I think he absolutely gets fast-tracked. I think that's a really good call. On both fronts, Cody Morris is who I was going to, I probably should have known you were going to take him. I feel silly. Uh, yes, he is. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a fool. Ah, I'm, I'm caught flat-footed on this one. It's tempting to want to throw Bo Naylor's name out there, but they're not going to move a catcher that quickly unless he does something crazy. Like He'd have to start hitting... 500 foot home runs, I think, for them to start moving them faster than they already have, right? So that's just me being too excited about Bo Naylor, though. So our final question comes from Pat at Tangible Uno. Who is your favorite player and favorite, or who's your favorite position playing prospect and favorite pitching prospect for this season? Okay. 
I'm going to have to go with players that have performed above and beyond uh, and rate, risen their stock. So we've kind of brought them up already, but uh, Noel, <laughs> John Kenzie Noel has, you know, we talked about, you know, that this was a kid with a lot of power because I remember, uh, let me double check if I can remember correctly, he was showing power back in the Dominican Summer League. Yes, <laughs> Back in 2018, I think as a 16-year-old, maybe 17, he hit 10 home runs in the Dominican Summer League. Like, that immediately stood out to me. And then he hit another six in his uh, Arizona debut back in 2019. So then he comes this year, and he's rocking uh, an OPS over 1,000 in his debut. So uh, he looks tremendous. So yes, Noel right now might be one of my favorite position player prospects and pitching got to go curry man uh I, I mean i hyped him up a little bit entering this season i was like hey this is a guy he's not on any on the radar but i think he's going to be good he has blown away my expectations like i thought he was going to be good he has been sensational I, i'm i'm looking at his numbers for the season he's who i'm picking as a pitcher as well i've, I've just nice. been astonished at how good he is like you look at the earned runs it's like he only allowed three runs in 25 innings at a ball and they move him up then you see oh well he's allowed 13 runs now and like who cares his era is still three (laughs) he's still striking out guys like crazy he's not walking hardly anybody here we go again (laughs) seven games started six and oh or excuse me six and one like i Middle rounds, college arm. I'm excited. And then uh, not very creative on the hitter side. I just want clips of George Valera flipping bats injected into my veins. That's all. I don't even need to see the hits. I just want to see him flip the bat. So is is there any other information and or concerns that you would like to share with the audience before we wrap up this evening's podcast? Uh, no, I'm really excited uh, to, to be back to your doing one and we'll kind of get back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, for the podcast next week. But I sincerely appreciate all the questions that uh, we were able to get that just kind of just really makes me happy that there are, is enough people that care out there to send us all these questions for us to answer for you. So just want to thank everybody for participating today. Yeah, it was really, really nice to see all those come over. And it was fun to answer them for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. So I believe this brings us to the final moment of the podcast in which we share the scribblings of E.E. E. Gamings, famous baseball poet bot. May I begin, Brian? Go ahead. <clears throat> Successfully, agony is repugnant. Noam Chomsky should never lumber. I must sprint. The hashtag Marlins are outfield wall reckless. Miami. time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.